This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to make more room for happiness in our lives. This week, we'll talk about why you might follow a ritual of completion, and we'll talk to my friend of many years, Abby Ellen, who has written a fascinating new book, Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and the Con Man I Almost Married. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who I'm pretty sure is exactly who she says she is. <laughs> That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and Gretchen, I am a terrible liar, so I don't think I could beat anyone, <laughs> Yeah, you um, even if I tried. <laughs> now, before we jump in, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has pre-ordered Outer Order, Inner Calm. I so appreciate everyone's enthusiasm. The book is out on March 5th, but if you pre-order, you get a whole batch of uh, resources about Outer Order that I've created. Videos, downloads, a 21-day email challenge that's available to people who pre-order as a thank you. So you can get more details at Outer Order, Inner Calm book dot com. And I'll post a link to that in the show notes. And here's something funny that I've, Elizabeth, I don't even know if I told you that I'm going to do this. (laughs) I should have (laughs) asked you. If you pre-order five copies or more, I will give you a shout out here on the podcast. Um, So when you submit your proof of purchase, you can specify the number of copies you pre-ordered. And if it's five or more, um, I will thank you here. I love it. And then, Gretchen, we also had an update about the question raised in episode 202 about what to do about the office that's not enthusiastic about celebrating birthdays. What was interesting is many people propose solutions that would work if people in the office are enthusiastic (laughs) about participating. Um, For instance, many people described variations on potlucks, and several people described a system that you and I hadn't heard before but made sense to us, um, that the person who had most recently celebrated a birthday is tasked with the celebration for the next birthday person on the calendar. Yeah. Um, But our listener had a group that didn't care about birthdays. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so a suggestion that a lot of people made that seems really useful in this circumstance is what someone called the elementary school solution. The birthday person himself or herself brings in the treat for everyone mm -hmm. to share. So if you want to celebrate birthdays and bring in a treat, you bring it in and everybody can enjoy it. And if you want to ignore your own birthday, you can. And so it's sort of up to the birthday person um, to decide whether or not to engage in the birthday celebration process. And that seemed like a good solution for her office. Yes, it seems simple. It seems elegant. It seems, I like it as someone who doesn't care about celebrating my birthday at work. Right. I could just not bring anything. Right. And some people affirmatively don't like to have their birthdays recognized. Right. So that would be good for them as well. Yes. And now we're the try this at home. I love this try this at home. And that is to follow a ritual of completion. So describe what that means, Scratch. So what I have found is that I have kind of unconsciously created rituals of completions, and now I want to do it much more deliberately to signal to myself, like, this is complete, I am finished. It underscores the feeling of accomplishment and kind of like I'm closing the books on something. And I, I know how much satisfaction I got from this when I was in school, when I was in high school, when I was in college, when I was in law school. I had this thing that I would do where I would take all the materials and textbooks that I had to study for for exams, and I would make one big pile of them. And as I took the exams, I would move the books from one pile to the other. So when, you know, when I was studying mm. them, I would pull them off. But when I wasn't studying from them, I would keep them either in one stack or the other. And so as the days passed, I would see the stack shift from being all on the left to all on the right. And it just gave me enormous satisfaction and a feeling of like I am moving through something important and I'm marking the milestones and then ta-da, I have the feeling of I've completed it. That's great. We do this on set, actually, mm. uh, here in Hollywood. Yeah. In television, usually I think it's just at the season finale, although I think some people do it episode to episode. When somebody is wrapping out of the season, meaning like they've just shot their last scene of the season, the first assistant director says, everyone gather around and people gather around the crew, the cast, writers, producers, whoever's there. And they say, you know, that's a season one wrap for Robin Tunney. Uh. And everyone claps. Uh -huh. And sometimes, depending on sort of where the actor is on the call sheet, they'll also give a little speech oh. thanking everybody. And it's just really nice because it's kind of, it just, it again, it's a ritual. It's a ritual that makes everybody sort of acknowledge the person's work, acknowledge yes. each other, acknowledge that we've completed something. And it's just, it's a really feel-good moment. Yeah. Well, I think that in kind of the hustle and bustle of everyday life, sometimes you just you just you keep racing on and then things feel very anticlimactic. And you can imagine certainly for like an actor himself or herself and then also for people around, it feels like things are just petering out and you're not giving recognition yes. for what's happening. Yes. And so a ritual of completion is that moment where you're like, let's take a breath and like see this has been done. Like and it I think it feel it makes things feel more completed. And also you get that ta-da list. I mean, one of the things we've seen is people mm -hmm. love the to-do list, but they also love the ta-da list. Mm, and it's yes. like the this is the ta-da list um, that's happening in life. So, Gretch, you have a book coming out March 5th, as we were talking about, Inner Order, Outer Calm, and you're going on a book tour. Are you going to have a ritual of completion for your book tour? 
Well, so I have something that I've done, um, again, sort of without realizing, recognizing that that's what it is. And now I'm going to have a lot more fun with it. Now I'm like, ooh, this is a ritual of completion. So I do, I have made the, the switch um, to a digital calendar. But when something's really complicated and important, I will print out a, a, a paper copy of it because I just find that that's useful in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so every year it's like, and when I go on a big tour, that's a lot. It's a really, really thick packet because it's all kinds of information and it's events right. and it, you know it's all this stuff. And Plane tickets. Yeah, every, anything I would need is dumped into there. And so as something happens, I mark through it with a pen, but I leave it in the packet. And so the packet never diminishes. I just see that more and more pages have been crossed off. And then when I come home, there's a very like satisfying moment when I'm like, I get home, I'm up in my office, I open up my backpack, and there's this like giant book, like super ratty looking papers. Mm. And I put it in the, in the, in the recycling because I'm like, and now... This is finished. And now that I think back on it, I realize I always did sort of take a moment to do it. And I would very deliberately not throw things away along the way. I would hang on to them so that I would have a more satisfying kind of like, you know, drop mic moment. Right. And so this year I will, I will do it with much more pleasure because I realize that this is what I'm doing. And, you know, Elizabeth, one thing I think that you and I both felt is that when we take the time to kind of give ourselves that gold star or to give ourselves that ta-da, it actually helps us keep moving forward. That you yes. might think, oh, well, no, if you're ambitious, you're just going to be pushing, pushing, pushing. You have no time to look back. But it's almost like you need the energy of completion to help drive you forward. Yes. And I think I want to make a bigger deal out of rituals of completion. Like, I'm thinking maybe when I finish a season of a show, I should, like, treat myself to a day at the spa. Yes. Something, you know, yeah. where you're really, like, reveling in your ritual. Um, yes. I also think it would be fun say you're a teacher on the last day yes. of school every year yeah. to go to the same restaurant. I think if you do sort of the same thing every yeah. year, that's what makes it feel like a ritual. Yes. You know, or or you get through exams. You yes. know, if you're a student, go to the same restaurant or go to a movie that night. Or, you know, I mean, something where you do the same thing each time. I had a friend who the only time she would let herself get a chocolate croissant was on a day when she took an exam. And so that was always like even even each individual exam during law school. She's like, okay, now I'm off for my chocolate croissant. And that was the only – so it was a very right. limiting thing because she didn't yes. want to be having them all the time. But it's like you can't take more exams to get more chocolate croissants. Right. But so it can be something right. small. Well, let us know if you do try this at home and, and what your ritual of completion looks like. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 205 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got – happiness hack that will help you never hear that glug glug sound again from your milk carton. But first, <laughs> this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else 
even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for a happiness hack. Yes, and this comes from Emma and um, Gretch. This is one of the small hacks of life, um, <laughs> but it's a good one. She yes. says, I learned this hack from a mechanic and will be forever grateful. Picture a juice container or a half-gallon boxy milk carton. Almost everyone positions the pour hole close to their glass, but something about the carton shape causes an air bubble to glug with the pour hole side down. It works better when you change it to put the pour hole side up. You get total liquid control. <laughs> uh, um, and it, we tried it. We both tried it. And she's absolutely right. Yeah. So just to like explain it again, and I'm, I'm, I'll post a link to um, a video on YouTube where you can see somebody do it because it's a lot easier <laughs> if you just see it. But what you do is so you have one of those boxy containers that's almost up in like a little house triangle at the top. Press that down so the box is flat. And then instead of having the pour hole closer to your glass, you flip it so that the pour hole is further from your glass, which seems very counterintuitive. But it's you're pouring it from the top, and it's a flat surface, and it just pours much more smoothly. You have a lot more control if you want to just do a little bit or if you don't want it to go blah, 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 blah in a glass. Especially helpful in a really full carton yes. where, yes. you know, it can get a little out of control. Yes. And again, Elizabeth, as you say, this is not the most significant thing. Thing that you'll do for your happiness this is this is one of these like <laughs> it's just so satisfying to like make something tiny in your life just so slightly better <laughs> yep. so thank you emma for that hack yes and now it's time for our interview with writer and journalist abby ellen I have known Abby for many years. We are in a nonfiction writer's group together. And she's an award-winning journalist and author. She's written for the New York Times, New York Times Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, and many other places. Abby has an MFA in creative writing and a master's in international public policy. Gretch, we also have to mention that she named an ice cream flavor for <laughs> Ben & Jerry's. She came up with Caramel Sutra. I mean, that is cool. Um, now, Abby has an absolutely 
fascinating new book um, that is receiving an enormous amount of attention already, even though it's just hitting the shelves now. It's called Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and the Con Man I Almost Married. It's about her own experience of being duped by her fiancé, and it's also a larger examination about this phenomenon of false identity. So hello, Abby. Hello, Gretchen. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Abby. Thanks for coming. So Abby's here in the studio with me in New York City, and she is uh, just fresh from her interview on the Today Show, so she looks fabulous. And Abby, we're so glad to have you here. I've known you for so long. I've heard about this book for so long, and it's hit the shelves, and it's made a gigantic splash. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You you were interested in this the minute I mentioned it to you. Yes, yes, because I've known you. We've been friends for a long time, so so I've known you. I saw this whole thing kind of unfold. Yeah, you did. But so for our listeners, like, explain what happened <laughs> with the commander. His, the commander. His pseudonym. And Gretchen is the whole thing. I met this guy that I was uh, I was doing an interview for a newspaper, and I needed to quote a doctor. And somebody had suggested this guy who was in private practice in Beverly Hills. So I called him and I got a quote and we had a nice conversation. It was warm. It was funny. It was professional. And that was the end of it. Story didn't run for another year. So I called him to fact check. And I said, are you still in California and still in private practice? He said, no, I moved to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm in the Navy. Mm. And he had, I guess, been divorced. And... His two kids were still in California with a wife, but he saw them a lot, but he was on his own in Florida. And he told me he was opening up a hospital for kids with cancer in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was wanting to change my life. So I was wanted to go back to school yeah. to study, to get my second useless master's in international <laughs> relations and um, at Johns Hopkins. And I said, well, isn't that funny? I'm going to be doing this. I'm interested in what you're doing. Keep me posted. So he did. He kept me posted, and he would give me these updates on the project, and then we started talking more. But it was professional. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but it was professional. And then slowly moved to a little bit less than professional, uh, or more than I professional, I should say. I had not seen pictures of him. He didn't have a big mm. internet presence. Mm. Uh, we didn't meet until February of 2010. He came to New York to address the United Nations, he said. He said, let's go somewhere celebratory. So we went to the Four Seasons. Uh-huh. And he was in his navy white, and we embraced as if he had just returned from Iwo Jima. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we got free drinks, and, you know, it was that was sort of that. I mean, we kind of began a relationship. I was 42, he was 58. Uh-huh. And he, so, and... And then you ended up, it, it, it proceeded further. And, it, it proceeded, And yeah. he was, in, according to him, his life was what? His life was, was a Navy SEAL. He worked on, with the CIA on these secret missions. Mm-hmm. He um, was often called in the middle of the night, he said, to do these secret missions, these mm-hmm. secret operations. He told me that he had been held hostage in China mm-hmm. <laughs> and tortured, mm-hmm. which was why he needed to sleep with... Three pillows and the food network blaring and the lights on because mm. he was afraid of the dark because they used to beat him. He would have screaming nightmares. He told me he had met his former wife in Iran when he had rescued her when she was held hostage. And I said, would say to him, 
what are you talking about? We weren't there. The United States wasn't there. It, no, it was undercover. You wouldn't you wouldn't have heard about it. Okay. So part of part of what the success of his deception was that built into the cover story was this idea that this is secret information. You do, you can't have access. Of course, you would never have heard of these things because I'm under deep cover. Correct. And also, so there's and I would say to him, this is stupid for you to be telling a journalist this. Yes. And he would say, well, I would deny it. It would be my word against yours. Mm-hmm. So I would end up looking like a crazy person. So that's, yeah. Well, I was wondering, Abby, as I read the book, which I just tore through. I mean, it's such a, it's so fascinating. Um, Thank you. I recommend everybody um, sit down with it and just dig in. Um, But was he there supposedly as a doctor or when he was doing these missions? I just was wondering what his role theoretically was. I think, I think his medical background would help because he would often talk about <laughs> neutralizing the bad guy. Uh-huh. I, I, neutralizing yeah. the bad guy. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I know what it means, but who talks like that? You know, or we take them out. Right. And he once sent me a picture of, he had actually been the medical director for a while at Guantanamo. That's true. And that is true. That is true. He no. So he, there's, he, there were elements of truth. He truly was a doctor. He truly was in the Navy. He truly was in Guantanamo. And he was truly working on this task force at the Pentagon. What he would do is mix fiction and yes. nonfiction, shoot it out of a cannon and see what landed where. <laughs> and so right. he, you know, that was what was so difficult. But that's yes. what the best liars do. Yes. That's how you, you want to learn how to lie? Take fragments of the truth and mix it all up. So let's fast forward. So you're in D.C. because you're doing this, this master's program. And He's in D.C. working at the Pentagon. We li- well, we move in together. At the course. Watergate. At the Watergate. Which, where else? Who can make it up? <laughs> you, you, you know. Have, where else are you going to live but the Watergate? Ground zero for deception. Yeah. yeah. So you're at the Watergate. And this is where the whole thing unravels, where truly the the skeptical questioner, journalist side of you begins to see pieces that you can't ignore. I just, it didn't make, nothing would make sense to me, but I would go, I was at Johns Hopkins with some of these former ambassadors and presidential advisors, and I would say to them, is it possible? Could you have a vault full of medals for operations that didn't really exist? Because that's what he would tell me. But it didn't officially exist. Didn't officially secret. exist. That were secret. But they that were, were had to actually happen. But they had, a, yes, yes. As, this is Homeland, right? Yeah. This is the star yeah. on the wall yeah. that nobody, yeah. this is yeah. Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, this is this kind of stuff. And they would say, yeah, that's possible. So it was possible. It was possible. It just wasn't possible with this guy. But yes, it was, that's what was so crazy making for me because it was possible. And look, he didn't look like a Navy SEAL. He was not this big strapping hunk of an individual. He was sort of nerdy asthmatic doctor. And then I thought to myself, well, what what better decoy than a nerdy asthmatic doctor? (laughs) You know, but he was, so what I think, what it sounded to me like what he had been doing was taking his medical background and using that to hurt people. So I don't know if that's, you know, giving them a syringe full of secret poison. I have no idea what he was doing. Right. I have no idea. So what was the what was the final straw? The final straw, so nothing was really verifiable. I mean, I tried to verify things and and I did a little so bit. So you were a little suspicious and No, I was very were... I was I was very I was suspicious. The person who was the most suspicious was my mother. Ah. Because I told her, he had told me that when he was at Guantanamo, he had treated very high-level terrorists, one of whom was Osama bin Laden. And I said, that is not possible. That is just not possible. And he said, yes, it is. And I said, this was during the Bush administration. It would have been to Bush's (laughs) benefit to let that out into the world because everybody was furious with him because of the war. So he said, well, the president doesn't know. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I, I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts. I don't know from, I don't know what's going on. I live in New York City. We don't talk like this here. So I didn't know. Um, and I thought, okay, one way or the other, I'm going to figure this out. Either there's a, there's this big story somewhere. Yeah. I just didn't know how it was going to go. So my mother said, Abby, there's something not right with this guy. Uh-huh. And I got angry with her. Uh-huh. So then he gave me, he would always bring me gifts. And at one point he brought me a pair of pearls and he told me they were Mickey Moto. Okay. You know, very fancy. Fancy brand. Yeah. Very expensive. Expensive. And I looked at the, uh, I looked at them and I didn't see any branding. I didn't see sure. anything. And I said on the clasp and I said, you know, this would have had some class, but it would have been, there would have been some way to ID it. And he got very mad at me. Mm. He said, you are always interrogating me. You're always questioning everything I do. What do I know from pearls? They told me it was Mickey Moto. I believed them. I took it to the store. They said, this is not Mickey Moto. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I was trying to verify. Yeah. But still, I thought, okay, maybe that was just a Maybe goof. he got taken Maybe in. he got taken in. But the final, final straw was when we went out to dinner with my parents and in Washington, and uh, he raved about the Brussels sprouts. They were just the greatest Brussels sprouts ever. And my parents were pleased, but, you know, it wasn't a personal offense if he didn't like them. They didn't cook them. He, as we left, he said, God, that was a terrible meal. Mm. And I said, why did you lie? Why did you lie to that degree, yeah. you know? Yeah. He said, I wanted to make them feel good. And that's when I thought if he could lie about that, he's lying about anything. Ah. That was very That just makes my blood run cold, the idea yeah. that you're with someone who's such yeah. a good liar and who obviously enjoys lying because yes. he lied for no reason to your parents. And he would go on the offense when I would question him. At yeah. one point, I said to his brother who lived in Georgetown with his wife and kids, I said to his brother, I don't know what to do here because every time I talk to this guy, he gets angry with me. He thinks I don't trust him. And the brother said, he's got a really important job and a lot of high Uh. pressure. You have to go easy on him. So you were getting signals that there was his children believed him. Oh yeah, you know. So there were there was conf- there was conflicting signals. There were conflicting signals. He he told me, at one point he would say to me that the Secret Service was following us, us and his kids and his family, because the bad guys, always the bad guys. I don't yeah. know who they are the bad guys. They wanted to get us. And I, you know, I'm a little irreverent. And I would say, well, you know, I don't see anyone out the window. Right. And he would say, well, that's the idea. They're secret right. service. So I said, well, you know, next time tell him to pick me up so I don't have to take a taxi. I mean, that was the way I looked at it. But his, bro- his son, who was 12 years old, once called up and said, oh, there's a car outside the house in California. Is that one of your guys? <gasps> So I thought to myself, if his kid knows this, yes. then it must right. be true. Must be Why true. would he lie to his son? Why would he lie like that? Now, one of the things that was a strange experience for me reading the book is that I appear in the book. Yes, you do. We were having the, we were having a meeting of our yep. uh, nonfiction writers group at yep. my house. I yep. was hosting, so I'm sure we were having like takeout Chinese food, um, and. <laughs> You were describing him. With my ring. Remember, I had ring. a ring, my fake ring. Absolutely. I remember your fake ring. Yeah. Though I didn't know it was fake at the time. Yeah. And you were describing him. And you said, what if he's an imposter? I did. And I said to you something to the effect of, I know, 
Right. I thought about that myself, but he's not. I've checked things out. Yes. So, and then when we find out that it was, he was an imposter, I, I said to you, you were right. Was, you it, were right. And I have to say, I didn't truly believe he was an imposter. I meant more like, what he sounds too good to be true. Which he was. You were like, nobody can believe that this person can be true. Right. And he wasn't. And in your book, you talk about your own experience, but then you talk about many other people, yeah. you know, and that this is so much more common than we believe. And it takes all kinds of forms. I mean, you had a romantic uh, relationship where you were duped, but there's financial, there's all kinds of ways in all which- kinds. So why do you think this is? Why is it that we get duped? I, what, well, why do we get duped? We get duped because we are not constantly anticipating that people are going to be lying to us. So in a way, it's, it's, it, it shows us well in human nature that basically we expect the truth from people. I think we're all, to some degree, a little Anne Frank about the whole thing, you know? Yeah. But we don't want to believe that people are, gonna, are out to hurt us. But I think we also believe because we see what we want to see. I have a mm -hmm. chapter called I Knew But I Didn't Know, mm -hmm. which yeah. is this sort of willful blindness that people put, you know, they, they don't want to believe. We were, we were talking earlier about Dirty John, yeah. which was huge. I mean, it was a podcast, then it was a series on Bravo, then they did a documentary on Oxygen. And her kids were telling her, mm -hmm. this guy yeah. is a bad guy. She didn't want to see it. She wanted to believe to some degree in, in, in love, in the fairy tale. You really can't condemn people for that. Well, 100% not. Well, and that raises an important question, which is, because this is very common, let's say there's somebody in your life, a friend, a coworker, a family member, and you get the feeling, like you're getting kind of, for you, the red flags are going up. Yeah. And how can you talk to somebody about it in a way that will maybe can be helpful to them, given that they maybe don't want to hear yeah, that, your yeah. suspicion? It's, which is such a good question. You know, I was thinking about this. If you, if you know that your friend's husband is having an affair, do you tell them or not? What do you do? What, what are you supposed to do? And how do you approach that? It's, it's similar. The way you say it is, look, I have some suspicions here. Do you want to hear them? Mm -hmm. And... If you do, I will tell them to you. If you don't, I can appreciate that, but I just need to tell you, as your friend, I, I get a bad feeling about it. And I had, you know, another friend didn't like him at all. She, he didn't like her yeah. either, but, you know, I mean, they had just didn't like his vibe. Do you so. think that it was helpful for your mother to articulate her her reservations about him, was that helpful? Was that not helpful? Well, because it was my mother, it was annoying <laughs> because, yeah. you know, but I sort of appreciated it too. You know, he had yeah. also said that Placido Domingo and William Kennedy Smith were at our, uh, the board meeting to get into, to approve him for us to get into the Watergate. And my mother said to him, why would Placido Domingo be at the board meeting? Uh-huh. She said it to him and I was like, you go, mom, you uh -huh. go. And But when she had said it to me, I remember thinking, I said to her, well, maybe he cares about where he lives. She yeah. said, Abby, mm. he's got other things to do. And I had asked. And when I was at the Watergate, I asked the person behind the desk if he ever went to the meetings. Because I think he was really on the board. And she said, no, he doesn't go to the meetings. Ah. So mm. I went to... Um, you broke up with I him. I broke up with him in you 2010. To New York. To, yeah, I moved back to New York at the end of 2010. Uh, and I commuted to Washington, D.C., uh, $1 on Megabus. And then I get a call in 2012, in March, and um, it was Special Agent Dan Ryan from NCIS. A real special agent for real, real NCIS. Special agent. And I remember thinking, <laughs> but I said yeah. to him, how do I know you're who you are? You know, I did. I was really suspicious. Yeah. But NCIS is, you know, Naval Criminal Investigative Service. And 
He said, there's a doctor who's writing prescriptions for narcotics, and your name is one of the people. Do you know this doctor? Do you have a script? And it was for Vicodin and Viagra. And I said, no, I don't have a prescription for Viagra, and no, I like Valium. So it's not yeah. my Vicodin. Yeah. And um, it turned out he had been writing pr fake prescriptions for all of these people, people he worked with at the Pentagon, his dead mother, his ex-father-in-law, all of these people going from Safeway to CVS, you know, to Dwayne Reed, wherever he could go to pick them up for himself. He would say, these are my patients. I'm a doctor. I'm picking up their meds. So he wasn't selling them, but he was writing I, I prescriptions for himself. I do not know if he was selling them. I suspect he probably was, but I have no corroboration. That's not what he got in trouble for. He got mm. in trouble for, right. I guess it's identity theft, really, and insurance fraud. So he went to jail. He had to give up his medical license. He got kicked out of the military. I do not know if it was a dishonorable discharge or not. They wouldn't tell me that when I asked. But um, somebody said indirectly they told me that it was, and that wouldn't be surprising to me. Now, Abby, here's my question. Um, do you think it ever happens that you're with someone in a relationship, whether it's business, romantic, and your internal red flags go off and you go, that doesn't seem right. Does it ever turn out that they're telling the truth? I mean, it seems like any time you doubt someone, <laughs> they're lying. <laughs> because you're so reluctant to believe that they're lying. Yeah, that it's, it, it yeah. just feels like the first positive. red flag is kind of the only one you need if you're really going to be honest with yourself. Do you well, think that's I true? I think that is true, but you just nailed it, Elizabeth, if you want to be honest with yourself. Whom do we deceive the most? Ourself. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the operative word. You have to be honest with yourself. And you have to say, you know what? I'm feeling like something's not right. I want to see what it is. Well, like, why, are you, why do you always go out of the room when you're texting on your cell phone? Right. And many people have cover stories for, like, sudden, unexpected travel where they can't be reached. And this is the other thing, is that it's very easy these days. It's it's easy to get caught because of the Internet. I think people have been doing this kind of stuff forever. Oh, I mean, sure. And this is nothing new. It's just now that we, we talk mm -hmm. about it because it's really easy to do it. I mean, you can go online and you can get a fake resume. You can get a fake recommendation for a fake job mm -hmm. you never had. You can get the sounds of trains taking off so you can tell your partner or whomever, yeah. your colleague, that you're in the train station when, in fact, you're at the Marriott with your lover. I mean, you can do all sorts of things. So it's that much easier to lie. If you know where to look, it's that much easier to get caught. I, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, you know, Reagan said trust but verify. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of say verify and, eh, Trust, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust completely. And I think that's okay. Uh-huh. I think it's actually wise, and I think that's something women need to know. Men, too, because women do men, too. They yeah. do. Yeah. I have a whole chapter about that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so um, we always ask our guests for a try this at home, kind yes. of a concrete, manageable thing. Yes. And this was obviously a terribly unhappy experience to go through where he lied to you, he betrayed you, what you thought your reality was yeah. was not true. You were made to feel like duped. I mean duped and 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 also too inquisitive and like a bad Right. You were gaslit. I was gaslit. And then you were humiliated. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bad, bad combination. Exactly. Do you have a suggestion for people like what can you do to make yourself feel better, happier, or like healthier? Yeah, you know, to get through it. What I did actually, one, I remember I would tell people what was mm -hmm. going on. Yes, you I, were. I, I remember I, you were very forthright. I was about very it. forthright about it, knowing that a lot of people, because I, I still will tell people, and I know, especially a lot of 
prospective dates are like, well, what is the matter with you? They mm. always blame the victim. Uh, so I would, you know, you should have known better. You're stupid. Mm. You're gullible. All of that stuff. And right. they're fascinated by the imposter. How did he do it? How did mm. she manage to pull it off? So I was sort of reclaiming my narrative. Yes. And in a big way. Which you literally did because you literally wrote a book about it. I literally wrote a book about it. But I was really interested. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't embarrassed. That didn't occur to me. To me, it was also a story. So I had to distance myself from it because I'm a person who tells stories. I was able to see it that way. So you think you sort of refused to buy into the idea that you shouldn't, you should not, you should feel like you shouldn't talk about it. You're like, I'm going to talk about it all I'm going to talk about it, but I will say one thing. I was, at one point I was uh, meeting with a couple of people who wanted to hire me to ghostwrite their book. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, what are you working on? And I said, oh, I'm writing an article. At the time it was an article for Psychology Today about my ex-fiance who went to jail. He lied to me and he went to jail. And the agent who was hooking us up said, I don't think you should have told them that. They both commented on that. They didn't think it reflected well on you. And I thought, mm. wow, you don't know that. I mean, this was an article that was exploring something. Maybe it was just too flippant. They, maybe they didn't know the whole story. But I thought it just, I look bad. I'm the one who looks bad. I thought it was fascinating. And you've become friendly with his exes, which I would imagine would be helpful and sort of a healing thing because they've been through the same thing you've been through. I became friendly with his ex-wife, um, the mother of his two kids. What I hadn't known at the time was that he had an ex-ex-wife whom he had been with right before he met the new wife. He left the first wife. So I called her up as well. But I also didn't know that when I first met him, when we started talking, he was living with a woman in Jacksonville, Florida. He proposed to her in December of 2009, told her that, uh, that you know, they were planning a wedding. And in February of 2010, he told her that he had to go off on a secret mission and he would be back. And he never came back. He left her with 26 bags in her garage. And the secret mission was Operation Abbey. <laughs> wow. Yep. So one thing you said is he's got great taste in women. You Fabulous. like all the women that he... That he oh, my God. That he, uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant, beautiful doctors. I mean, photographer. writer, photographer, the woman after me, whom he was courting, actually, while he was with me. That was... I remember just sort of longing for some good old-fashioned infidelity, because mm -hmm. that you understand. Like a straightforward, a straightforward yeah. lie. yeah. Give me a, tr a truthful lie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But this other stuff. Yeah, the women are terrific. Uh-huh. Terrific. So. Well, Abby, the thing is, you do seem like, and this is the final thing I'll ask you, like, you do seem like you've made your peace with it, and you've kind of made it into your own, and it's turned into this this book that is getting just, like, a gigantic amount of attention, and... um what has allowed you to be so resilient and kind of see the good that can come from this or how you can at least make it work for you in a way that is not making you kind of bitter and so angry that you just... You know, I have to admit something. When I was trying to sell my book, I remember thinking to myself, if I don't sell that book, boy, this experience will have really been for naught. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so um, it's been very helpful to me, and it was cathartic, actually, to be able to write about this. I mean, it was terrible to relive it. It was really upsetting, but it's been cathartic. Also, and to realize how many people have gone through it. I mean, it's just so many examples. Well, there's so many examples, and what I think is really nice, though, is that I do feel like I have – there's not enough talk 
mm-hmm. are focused on the quote unquote victim. And it's the people on the other end, like people like me who went through this, who really need some kind of forum. And they need to know that they're not alone, which right. sounds kind of Pollyanna. I don't mean it to, but seriously, people don't, women don't talk about this. And I think it's so, imp- and men too, but it's so important to talk about this and to say that this happens and it happens to smart people and it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Abby, thanks so much for coming. I know you've got a million book events going on, so thank you for coming <laughs> oh, by the studio. Yeah. Thank you, Gretchen. On a freezing cold day in New York no, City. thank you so much I for th- all your support yeah. and help. And Elizabeth, too. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm glad you're out the other side. Yes. And you're getting the last laugh, I have to say. <laughs> you know, my motto, I joke about this, monetize suffering. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the way I look uh-huh. at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thank Abby. Thank you. Coming up, I've got a gold star for our mom. But first, this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth... I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up this week with a happiness demerit. Yeah, now this is something I know so much better than this. Um, Like one of my things is to kiss in the morning, kiss at night. Another one of Mm -hmm. my resolutions is to give warm greetings and farewells. Um, I always want to be creating like an attentive, tender atmosphere at home. And the other day, I realized Jamie had come into the apartment. He talked to me a few times. 
he'd wandered in and out. And then we were like off to bed. And I'm like, I didn't spend one minute actually mm. like looking him in the eye and talking to him. I was like reading a book that was really interesting. I had a lot on my mind. I was just like running around doing various household chores. And I'm like, I did not have one moment of honest, sincere connection with Jamie. And I was you know, I realized this as he was already asleep and I was falling asleep. And I thought, you know what? That's just not good. That's a demerit. And tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm going to do better because it just, it's just life is much happier when you put down your book or stop, you know, sit down for a minute and just really connect with everyone in your household. So I learned well, that lesson. it's comforting to know that sometimes you don't follow your own advice. <laughs> no, I, yes. No, that happens very frequently, and that was one time. <laughs> um, so, Elizabeth, take us up. What's a gold star? All right, Gretchen. I am giving a gold star, and I'm sure you'll want to join me in this, um, to our mother because she has done something this year that she's been meaning to do for years and that we've wanted her to do, but that was a big hassle. Because, you know, mom has an incredible collection of Christmas decorations, really beautiful decorations. Many of them are Santas. That's the majority. Uh, But really beautiful, interesting, varied types of Santas and other Christmas decorations. Often handmade or unique, like very special. Yes, and getting everything up every year is like a two- or three-day process for her. So gold, it's gold a star whole for thing. Dad, too, for that, because he, he that's, yes. that's how he contributes. Yes, first of all, Gold Star for doing this every year, because yeah. we love it. Yeah. But this year, she photographed everything and made like a Shutterfly book of all of the different decorations, and she's now in the process of going through the book and writing down what everything is. Yes. And, like, where she got it and why it matters, sort of. Yes. Um, and this is just an invaluable tool for all of us to have because we care so much about this stuff. But, of course, we might have been, you know, 10 years old when she got something and have no idea where it came from. So this is just a great sort of family archive of Christmas decorations. Well, and also for you and I are not, she's really good at arranging things and you and I are not good at that. But so since we have photographs of the way she did it, you and I can just like, you know, get ideas for how to copy what she's done for ourselves. So it's also, it's, it's this kind of catalog of everything she has and also how she goes about arranging the mantelpiece or something where I'm like, why does my mantelpiece not look as good as her mantelpiece? But I'm like, okay, I need the pine needles. I need the swagging. I need a, like, you know. Yes. And as years go by, she's sort of giving us more and more things because she has a lot. Yeah. So it's helpful (laughs) for us in that way. But it is a huge (laughs) undertaking. So absolutely. I second your gold star because I'm super excited that she's doing it. And it's, it's a big task and she's well on her way now. Yeah, so good job, Mom. Yay. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Follow a ritual of completion. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our terrific guest, Abby Ellen. Her book is Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and the Con Man I Almost Married. Thanks to our new executive producer, Chuck Reed. Some of you know him from Happier in Hollywood, but we will introduce him here in the next episode. Also, thanks to our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. And get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. You know the score. You know what I'm going to say. If you like this show, please tell a friend. It really helps us. And subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. That also is a big help to the show. 
Also a big help is pre-ordering. Pre-ordering really helps the fate of a book. If you pre-order Outer Order Intercom, you will get the thank you bonus that I've created. You can find out all that information at outerorderintercombook.com. And if you are like, huh, what about that book better than before? That book about habits. What's the deal with that book? You can download a free chapter from that book um, mm-hmm. at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Hey, Gretch, we need a ritual of completion for our fourth podcast anniversary. Oh, yes. What should it be? We got to figure out something good. Yes. Maybe a weekend away. (laughs) That sounds good.